On, on your way to Thibodeau from here, uh, if you're driving on Highway 1, just past St. Mary's, third house on the right, is where I was raised. Um, uh, I grew up there, my parents still live there, and uh, if you're on your way to Thibodeau, and it's an afternoon or some point in a weekend, chances are, as you pass my parents' house, you'll see my mom and dad sitting under the carport. My mom probably will have a Diet Coke, a cigarette, and a, an iPad. Uh, my dad will probably be sitting there with a small cigar, uh, and they're just talking. Uh, it seemed like every time growing up, that it, it was like randomly, pretty much consistently, at, every afternoon, we would go out and we would sit and we would just visit. And as people would pass, you would hear horns honking, we wouldn't know who the car was, we just, without even looking, hey, we'd just wave, right? As, uh, as, as I was growing up, it was common that people would just stop by the house pretty regularly and just pop in, say hello, drop something off, whatever. Uh, some would come for a five-minute visit, come to say something or tell somebody something, that was it. Drop something off real quick. Some people would come and just kind of make themselves comfortable, bring their own chair, and it was a three-hour visit, right? But it was a common thing that our carport was a pretty regular place that people would just stop by and come and say hello. I remember growing up, there was, a, there was this one time in particular that there was a guy who stopped, and when he stopped, uh, this man had a speech impediment. He used to walk and ride his bike and stuff in the area. Um, but he, would, he stopped, he walked down and came and talked to my parents. He saw them outside, and he had a speech impediment. Now, my dad sat there for 15 minutes and had a conversation with him. My mom, on the other hand, had no idea what he said. None. He was talking, couldn't understand a word the man said. And whenever, she, whenever he left, I remember my mom looked at my dad and said, how on earth, how, how on earth were you able to understand what he said and have a conversation with him? My dad, if we rewind back, my dad growing up worked in the, worked in the cane fields with my grandfather and his brothers, and my grandfather and his brothers have a very thick accent, and a lot of them had a tendency to mumble. Right? So my dad would say, like, if you could un work in the field and understand so-and-so and so-and-so, -and -so, I can understand him fine. Right? It's just the way he was raised. He, he, ra he was raised with the ability to kind of learn how to communicate with somebody when they weren't very clear in their language. See, language does something for us. Language is something for us that really builds a bridge. Right? It really unifies us. If, I, if someone speaks the same language as me, then generally we can communicate, we can be in community, and basically we can have some kind of a relationship. Whereas if we don't speak the same language, sure, there's body language, there's nonverbal cues, but it really is a lot lost in the, in the depth of a relationship. Uh, I, I figured that I found this out when I was uh, when I was a seminarian. We went to Nicaragua once, uh, or it was Guatemala, a couple of Spanish-speaking countries. And I remember being in a market trying to buy a shirt or something, and trying to haggle and not understanding Spanish. So I'm saying it in English over and over again. They're saying it back in Spanish over and over again, and you just get louder and frustrated because there's no actual communication happening. They don't understand what I'm saying. I really don't understand what they're saying. Because breakdowns in language breaks unity, and it's just it, there's some frustration in it. Today in our gospel, or today in our first reading, what we hear is, the, is Pentecost. 
We hear the scriptural account of Pentecost. We hear about the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples, and when they preached in their tongue, everyone heard in their native language. So what, do, what does that mean? They spoke in tongues, but what that really means is, is that they spoke one language, and a bunch of people heard it in their own. So for example, today, if at Mass, we would have a French contingent, a Russian contingent, a Japanese contingent, and a Greek contingent, and everybody, none of them would speak English, I could stand and speak English, and they hear it in Greek, they hear it in Japanese, they hear it in Russian, they hear it in French. That's the miracle that's happening in Pentecost. That's the miracle that happens today that we celebrate, that the gospel is proclaimed, the one gospel is proclaimed, and it's heard by nations. It's heard by the masses. That language is no longer a hurdle. Rather, God overcomes it so that his message can be proclaimed to all corners of the world. And this points to where we are today in our world. Because right now, there's someone celebrating a Mass on the other side of the world in a different language. And whenever they celebrate it on the other side of the world in a different language, the Gospel continues to be proclaimed and Pentecost has taken place today. Not just liturgically, but actually. It's a really awesome thing to think that, that the languages of the church, the gospel is being proclaimed to all corners of the world. doesn't matter, Portuguese, Spanish, English, Latin. It, the, the gospel gets proclaimed. The mass is celebrated. It's beautiful. But if we hear today's first reading, and that's what we think, that's an easy way for us to explain it. That's a way for it to kind of take context in today's life. But if we hear today's first reading from a Jewish perspective, there's something deeper going on. There's something a little bit more powerful than just a miracle of words. There's something a little bit different going on, a little bit deeper, and today that's what I want to sink in on. That's what I really want us to dive into, is what's the background to Pentecost? This is one of the few times of the year that our Saturday readings don't match up to our Sunday readings. Easter it usually happens, Christmas it usually happens, where we hear different things on the vigil and on the day of. Well, today we hear a different first, and first reading than we did yesterday. If you came to Mass yesterday, there's a few options. We chose one of the options. The option that we chose was an Old Testament story that gives us some context to Pentecost. It was the Tower of Babel. Now, if you're familiar with the Tower of Babel, great. If you're not, we're going to run through it real quick. The Tower of Babel, what happens? There's these people that decide, we're going to build a tower that is higher than any other structure in the world. We are going to build a tower to, and, and I quote, make a name for ourselves that we would be seen as the greatest of all civilizations in the world. That we would be seen as the greatest of all other peoples even greater than God. That we could be, take the place of honor. That's their pride just playing into it, right? I want to build up something that exalts me. That exalts my culture. My people. God doesn't usually take light, lightly. Doesn't take pride lightly. It's not, that, that's probably like his least favorite sin of all, right? So what does he do? 
the way he keeps them from building this massive structure is he makes them all start speaking different languages and not being able to understand each other. So the tower doesn't happen. The place is a place of shame. It's known as the Tower of Babel. That's where we get the phrase, right? Babel like a baby. The Babel. Doesn't make sense. With that as our background, with that as our context, Pentecost is not just about the gospel being proclaimed to all the corners of the world. Pentecost is about healing the people of God. Healing a unity that had been disintegrated. Healing the the, the breakdown in communication between God's peoples. And the agent, the, the way in which, the means by which God heals that is through the gift of the Holy Spirit to His church. It's through the gift of the Holy Spirit to all of the nations, to all of the peoples, to His apostles that then continues to ripple out and to go out to all Jesus' followers. Today, my brothers and sisters, we receive the healing agent of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit heals us. The Holy Spirit heals us in our relationship with God. If you look at the Gospel, whenever he, when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, the next line says, Your sin, the sins you forgive are forgiven. And the sins you retain are retained. His first thing is, receive the Holy Spirit, and you have the ability. He gives the ability to men, to His disciples, to forgive sin and to heal the, to heal the relationship between God and man. The Holy Spirit is a healing balm that, that is poured over the church today so that would be no more division. And there would be unity. That there would be no more split. No, there would be oneness, wholeness, together. This is what the Lord desires the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit to do in our life with Him and in our life with each other. This week, one of our readings, I think it was Thursday in Daily Mass, was Jesus' priestly prayer over His church, priestly prayer over His disciples. And the last prayer that He prayed at the Last Supper over His disciples was very, very simple. He said, Father, I pray that they become one as You and I are one. Father, I pray that they and those who come to believe because of them. So Jesus doesn't just pray for the 12 men at the Last Supper. He prays for all of the people who follow them. That's you and I. And Jesus' words echo down till, still today, and he prays for each one of us that we may be one. One with each other. One with God. As he and the Father are one. This is a hopeful message. This is a beautiful message. But it's a message our, our world does not understand. It's a message that our culture does not get. Because our culture is addicted to division. Our culture loves division. 
One of my professors in the seminary, I said this on Thursday in, in Muhammad, but one of my professors in the seminary used to say, division always and everywhere serves the devil. Always and everywhere, division is a tactic of the devil. Because if he can divide us, he can defeat us. So if you put the news on this week, he's doing a pretty good job of defeating. He's, doing, he's giving up a pretty good fight right now. If you put the news on this week, there was a video. If you didn't, if you didn't, okay. But if, if, if you did, you, you saw that there was a video that surfaced of a black man being arrested with a cop and, and a cop's knee on his neck and the black man died. And of course, this hits a nerve in our culture right now. It hits a nerve in our world right now. And everybody has an opinion and a perspective on it. Some of them right. Some completely justified. Some of them out there and crazy on both sides of the aisle. And the response to it has been one, to try, the, the wrong response is trying to shove everything under the rug and just ignore it. The wrong response is that we blow up a city, but the, what happens is, is that it's a very, very incendiary topic that just blows up a lot in our world today. But our world, our culture, loves division. Our culture loves division. We as Catholics, we as Christians, we as men and women who by our baptism and confirmation have received the Holy Spirit, we have received the antidote to a culture that loves division. How do we share it? How do we build bridges, and stop allowing the world around us to draw a line in the sand and continue to say that it's them versus us? How do we become a, a means by which we heal God's people and don't let differences of race or gender or sexuality or whatever else stand in the way? How do we reach out and erase the line in the sand? As we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because unity is of the Lord. God himself has proven to us that from the Old Testament's disintegration and unity because of the sin of man, that he wants to heal it by today's feast. He wants to heal it by the Pentecost. He wants to heal it by the means of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Because he wants us one with God the Father and one as his people. Unity points us to the Lord. God himself is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about the Trinity because it's Trinity Sunday. God himself is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Great mystery. Biggest mystery of our faith. God himself has a multiplicity and a unity. We're called to have the same unity. St. Paul talks about it in his letter, in, in one of his letters. He says, We have one faith, one baptism, one Lord, that today we come to receive of the one sacrament, the one bread, the one cup. Unity points us to the Lord. How are we agents of the Holy Spirit? 
in interacting and impacting a world that loves division. Or it's on the other side of the world. It's none of my concern. It's on the other side of the country. I don't care. It happens to be somebody with a different skin color than me. Not worried. We as Catholics, we as Christians, have received the antidote to the pain of our day. The antidote to a world that loves division. How do we as Catholics share it? How do we as Catholics bridge the divide, bring healing? Or how are we agents of the Holy Spirit in the world around us? That's what God's asking us. That's what God is calling us to. Are we bold enough? Are we willing enough? Are we willing to embrace the call that God has put on each one of us when he sends us out, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to preach to the nations? Jesus didn't mix his words. Father, I pray that they be one as you and I are one. Today, my brothers and sisters, that oneness doesn't stop with just us in this church. That oneness doesn't stop with just when we come to receive the sacrament. That oneness is something that our world is thirsting for. How can you and I, how can we challenge our own sensibilities, challenge our own, our own ways of thinking, and, think, and, and recognize every single one of our brothers and sisters, regardless of gay and straight, regardless of Republican and Democrat, regardless of black and white, regardless of man and woman, regardless of all these ways that, we like, that the world likes to divide us, how can you and I become an agent of the Holy Spirit? An agent of healing on a culture that is suffering. If he can divide us, he can defeat us. And if there's anything that God wants more, is for us to be one as he is one. Today, we come as one. We are unified as one in our prayer before our God. May we be unified with all of our brothers and sisters in the world. May we be unified accord, across our human dignity and be, and be willing and emboldened to share the power and healing presence of the Holy Spirit to a world that is divided. Amen.